0: This is State House News. This podcast is a production of the Center for Community Solutions and features content from the Hannah News Capital Monitor. For a complete version of State House News, as well as programs and publications, please visit CommunitySolutions.com. Thank you for joining us. Today is Thursday, February 26, 2015, and this is State House News, Issue 8 the Center for Medicare and Medicaid Services, or CMS, have announced a Special Enrollment Period, or SEP, for individuals and families who did not have health coverage in 2014 and are subject to the fee or shared responsibility payment when they file their 2014 taxes in states that use the Federally Facilitated Marketplace, or FFM. This includes Ohio. This special enrollment period, which will run from March 15th to April 30th, will allow those individuals and families who were unaware or didn't understand the implications of this new requirement to enroll in the 2015 health insurance coverage through the FFM. If consumers do not purchase coverage for 2015 during the special enrollment period, they may have to pay a fee when they file their 2015 income taxes. If a consumer enrolls in coverage before the 15th of the month, coverage will be effective on the first day of the following month. According to CMS, this year's tax season is the first time individuals and families will be asked to provide basic information regarding their health care coverage on their tax returns. Individuals who cannot afford coverage or met other conditions may be eligible to receive an exemption for 2014. To help consumers who did not have insurance last year to determine if they qualify for an exemption, CMS also launched a health coverage tax exemption tool which can be found online. CMS said that Americans who do not qualify for an exemption and went without health coverage in 2014 will have to pay a fee, $95 per adult or 1% of their income, whichever is greater. When they file their taxes this year, the fee increases to $325 per adult or 2% of income for 2015. Individuals taking advantage of this special enrollment period will still owe a fee for the months they were uninsured and did not receive an exemption in 2014 and 2015. This special enrollment period is designed to allow such individuals the opportunity to get covered for the remainder of the year and avoid additional fees for 2015, CMS explained. Doctors and pharmacists urged a House committee Wednesday to widen distribution of overdose reversal drug naloxone. The legislators might not need much convincing as the GOP majority tagged House Bill 4 as a priority at the outset of this General Assembly. Meanwhile, Attorney General Mike DeWine is asking naloxone manufacturer to grant Ohio rebates on the drug followed by a recent price increase. The drug, sold under the brand name Narcan, blocks opioid receptors and reverses the effects of an overdose, potentially saving users from death and sending them into withdrawal. DeWine wrote to Jack Zhang, CEO of Amphaster Pharmaceuticals, asking that Ohio get a similar deal as the $6 per dose rebate in New York, recently won from the company. Given Ohio's use and promotion of Naloxone, I would ask for the same consideration you gave the state of New York and seek an agreement similar to what you offered New York, DeWine wrote. The $6 rebate per dose for police departments and other agencies who distribute Naloxone would make a tremendous difference. Lawmakers last year used House Bill 170 from the 130th General Assembly to give doctors and others with prescribing authority the power to give the drug to family members or friends of those at risk of overdosing. The latest proposal in House Bill 4 would allow distribution by others, including pharmacists and pharmacy interns, so long as they have a written protocol from a physician. The House Health and Aging Committee heard testimony in support of the legislation on Wednesday, February 18th, with pharmacist representatives saying their profession is ideally situated to reach and advise people in need of naloxone. Tim Maglioni, Senior Director of Government Affairs for the Ohio State Medical Association, also endorsed the bill while suggesting two amendments. Language limiting administration to those methods using manufactured nasal devices or auto-injectors could inhibit access to injectable naloxone or intranasal administration methods that aren't manufactured. He said... He also called for changing language related to the requirement that someone administering the drug must call 911, saying the use of the term immediate could cause doubt. Also indicating support for the bill Wednesday were the Academy of Medicine of Cleveland and Northern Ohio, the Ohio Association of County Behavioral Health Authorities, and the Ohio Community Corrections Association. Ohio Department of Medicaid's, or ODM, projected per member per month, or PMPM, expenditures for the Medicaid program for fiscal years 16 and 17 fall within the parameters set out by the Joint Medicaid Oversight Committee, or JMOC, Committee Executive Director Susan Ackerman told the group Thursday. She based that assessment on the latest figures from the group's actuary, Optimus, who returned with a second iteration of the PMPM figures for fiscal year 15 and for the next biennium, fiscal year 16-17. Optimus representatives first appeared before JMOC back in October, when they put the state's PMPM PM for the current fiscal year, fiscal year 15, at $630, compared with the ODM estimate of $642. Thursday, Optimus Managing Director Steve Schramm pegged their figure for fiscal year 15 at $635, compared to the ODM figure of $628 for a 1.2% difference. These latest figures were based on the availability of substantially more data than they had access to prior to the October report. JMOC member Senator William Coley asked just how much money that 1.2% difference translates to, with Schramm telling him it would be $200 million to $250 million. For the upcoming biennium, Optimus projects a lower-bound PMPM of $648 and an upper-bound PMPM of $654 for Fiscal Year 16, representing growth rates of 2.1% and 3.0%. For fiscal year 17, the lower bound PMPM was pegged at $664 and the upper bound PMPM at $678 for growth rates of 2.4% and 3.6%. ODM's estimated PMPM for fiscal year 16 is $636 for a 1.4% growth rate, and for fiscal year 17 it is $665 for a 4.5% growth rate. Averaged, the ODM estimated PMPM is 2.9%, below the JMOC rate of 3.1%. Ackerman pointed out to the committee that the fiscal year 17 PMPM does not fall below the JMOC target, but that, by her reading of the JMOC law, it is proper to look at the average of the two years. However, Schram did tell JMOC Vice Chair Senator Dave Burke that the 4.5% growth is not sustainable saying that figure needs further analysis to identify the drivers for the projected increase. He said that it is possible the increase is driven by one-time expenditures meant to reduce costs in the future, but if it is seen to be ongoing, it would have significant upward impact. Prior to hearing from Optimus, the committee heard from J.B. Silvers of Case Western Reserve University, where he holds a joint appointment to the School of Medicine and Weatherhead School of Management. He offered the committee the following observations on healthcare policy and delivery. The driver for most of our healthcare system problems is its cost and what we need to get for it. He said that healthcare care inflation, which had been double the general rate, has dropped substantially, but that the high costs are due to the volume of services provided. As a factor of production, along with labor and capital, health care has been a long-term blessing and a short-term curse. He explained that there has been a huge value to all parties for all the pharmaceutical, delivery, and knowledge advances over the last 60 years, but that the medical-industrial complex is absorbing most of this gain in recent years via high prices and excess volume. We typically have confused financing of ongoing predictable healthcare expenses with insuring against unpredictable events. Medicaid expansion, along with subsidized policies purchased on the new exchange, provides a glide path from full government support to self-purchased insurance and eliminates the artificial barriers to work created by low-income jobs without coverage. He noted that the Affordable Care Act provided a definition of what is affordable care. Insurance is only one barrier to a successful healthcare market with many other impediments to fully making it competitive and functional for patients and purchasers. Many of his comments were based on the experience MetroHealth had operating a Medicaid waiver program that provided a medical home and health coverage for up to 30,000 uninsured residents of Cuyahoga County prior to Medicaid expansion. He said in part it worked because the people were already accustomed to coming to the hospital for care, but under this program it was paid for and did not become uncompensated care. Some happenings from the week of February 16, 2015 Representatives Dorothy Polanda and Cheryl Grossman introduced House Bill 50, a bill to help youths who age out of the foster care system by, among other proposals, increasing the age at which care ends to 21. Two Democratic House members on Monday announced they will introduce legislation establishing a state-run health care exchange allowed under the Federal Affordable Care Act. Representatives Michael Stenziano and Nikki Antonio are seeking to implement the Ohio Health Exchange in anticipation of a U.S. Supreme Court decision in King v. Burwell, which is likely to determine the legality of paying federal premium assistance to policyholders in states like Ohio that do not run a state health insurance exchange. The state is urging continued vigilance in the wake of the Anthem Blue Cross Blue Shield data breach, which affected up to 80 million of the insurers, current and former members, and policyholders. Lieutenant Governor Mary Taylor has issued a new consumer alert to update Ohioans on the cyber attack on sensitive personal information, including names, health identification numbers, dates of birth, social security numbers, addresses, telephone numbers, email addresses, employment information, and reported income and lethal injection secrecy laws in House Bill 663 from the 130th General Assembly are safe for now, says U.S. District Judge Gregory Frost, who this week rejected death row inmates' free speech claims and standing to sue, but appeared to leave the door open to a possible legal challenge around the substantial harm of drugs whose quality of manufacture cannot be determined by the courts. some notable quotes from around Capitol Square. There's a lot of reasons to stay in Ohio. The great representation I have here in the State House is one. Tax Commissioner Joe Testa, after a lawmaker asked him if changes to the tax credits and deductions for wealthy retirees would drive them to leave the state. I just wanted to have that number so some of the fiscal conservatives on your side that introduce a lot of bills can know what they're costing the taxpayers. Representative Jack Serra, in response to a comment from Representative Dave Hall on why he asked Legislative Service Commission Director Mark Flanders for how much it costs, on average, to draft a bill, the comment occurred during a budget hearing. The difference between a safe dose and an unsafe one is a pinch and a smidgen. Katherine Steiner testifying before the Senate criminal justice in support of Senate Bill 7, which would prohibit the sale of pure caffeine products following the death of her son in 2014 from an overdose. Thank you for joining us. Please visit www.communitysolutions.com for more information and other publications.